Hi, welcome to LSE and to this very special, special lecture this evening. I'm Mukulika Banerjee. I'm a reader in anthropology at LSE. Um, I'm particularly honored to be introducing Ms. Shanasa Sen this evening. Um, I have always thought of her as one of the most pioneering women uh, the world has ever seen. And it's entirely appropriate that she should be speaking here to a bunch of uh, young and, uh, and interested people, because the one thing that has defined Shanasa Sen's life, I think, has, has been a complete commitment to an original idea. Uh, she is a genuine pioneer in introducing what was seen to be a traditional medical system of Ayurveda into the notion of beauty and to formulate a series of products, now 350 different formulations uh, which the company has, um, to empower women really to look good. It was a fantastic idea of, of putting uh, not only natural herbal-based remedies into little bottles, but as she says, it's like taking Indian civilization and putting it into a bottle. And that idea has traveled uh, widely. It first traveled very widely in India. I grew up in India. Uh, and I remember as a teenager how it completely democratized the access, ordinary working class, middle class women suddenly had to beauty products. And that was um, empowering and that was uh, original and it was, it changed, literally changed the way the country functioned. Um, now of course the company is a 40 million US dollar turnover, it is in a hundred different countries. You can buy it and buy Chanel's herbal products in Selfridges and, and in a number of other places in uh, London itself. Uh, and for many of us living and working in Europe, um, we of course think of Anita Roddick and, and the body shop and the revolutionary that she was. And just before, we've, we've been just talking uh, about the encounter and maybe Mr. Sen will tell us a little bit about that story of her meeting and engagement and partnership uh, with Anita Roddick. Because here we have um, an example of a real enterprise and an and idea at the, at the curve of the wave, really anticipating a need to move away from chemicals long before people were talking about uh, ecology or the need for uh, natural remedies. Uh, Shanazu Sen came up uh, with her concept and it filled a niche and it and people responded to it and that's really been uh, the source for success but of course anyone who reads anything about Shanaz Hussain or encounters her whether at Starbucks on Oxford Street or or elsewhere where she holds court uh, is infected by her enthusiasm and it's therefore no surprise that business schools from Harvard and elsewhere now teach about her company as a case study to learn how to do and run and set up a successful business which defies most business studies wisdom. Uh, so her take on advertising, on marketing, just defies everything that kids are taught at business school. And yet it's been this phenomenal success. So like you, I'm 
very eagerly anticipating uh, Mr. Sen's talk this evening. We're going to start the evening with an 11-minute film that uh, she says anticipates almost everything she has to say, which I cannot believe. Um, but it certainly will provide an introduction of her company's work and, and her biography. Uh, I have to say that if we have, we'll have time, you'll speak for about 35 minutes or so after the film, and then, or as long as you want, uh, up to 40 minutes. And then we'll take questions and answers, and hopefully we can um, also talk about your incredible personal story uh, of, uh, from, of setting up and, and being who you are today. So a warm welcome to you, a warm welcome to all of you. Enjoy the film, and then we'll have the lecture. Thank you. when I was 14. I saw a photograph and got married. The marriage at 15. For my 16th birthday, my daughter was two months old. From the age of 17 to 23, I studied in London, Paris, Germany, and Denmark, specializing in cosmetic chemistry and cosmetic therapy in chemicals. They saw the dangerous effects of chemicals in the West. So I thought I'd go back to India and try and do the same thing from herbs so that there would be no side effects. Princess Shahnaz Hussein is known worldwide as India's ambassador of beauty. She found her fame and fortune through sales of ancient Indian herbal remedies. Her beauty treatments are used in over 800 salons in India and abroad. Princess Shamaz has created a beauty training school for deaf and dumb girls called Shamute. I think uh, we've been diplomas to over 20,000 students in 25 years. It started with just a desire basically for a spiritual movement towards attaining, apart from other things, 
some kind of philanthropic work for the organization. And, uh, I thought the best would be deaf and dumb because uh, the total world is silent and that's what you require in beauty, concentration silence. After graduation, the girls can take up jobs or open their own beauty salons. This is my personal arrangement for my life after death. We spend so much effort working for this life and very few people really worry of the life they must lead after death by way of spiritual goodwill. It's constantly my concern that we work very hard for this world. We must find some outlet also for the life after this. When I give diplomas to normal girls, they just say thank you, have a photograph and go away. But when these girls come to me and they say uh, thank you with their hands and with the little sound saying thank you and goodbye, you can see, a, you know, in their eyes you can see a complete world of gratefulness and happiness and dedication and almost like in a worship for a person that has given them a new life. And that itself is the greatest power that can give you a purpose to live that with my life I've been able to make so many other lives worthwhile. The Shahnaz Hussain success story is the story of a woman who is both the pioneer and the undisputed queen of herbal cosmetic care. Success stories are fascinating, more so when it is about a lone woman in a fiercely competitive arena, a woman from a conservative Muslim family, a wife and a child mother, who braved all odds and surmounted every kind of social, personal and economic barrier to achieve her goal. After years of intensive study abroad, she had witnessed with horror the havoc wrought by chemical and synthetic treatments in the West. Convinced that the ideal alternative could be found in India's vast Ayurvedic heritage, she rejected existing salon treatments and upheld the nature principle, formulating her own range of Ayurvedic products. Specializing in treatments and cures, she promoted the concept that the external body condition is a barometer of internal health and vice versa. Supported by a range of over 350 Ayurvedic products for skin, hair and body care. Her outlets include counters in prestigious stores like Galleries Lafayette in Paris, Harrods and Selfridges in London and the Seibu chain in Japan. Her international standing can be measured by the fact that Gallery Lafayette devoted that 18 feet long show window to the Shahnaz Hussain range of products during one of their promotional programs. Shahnaz Hussain is the only Asian to be given this rare honor. Shahnaz Hussain's success at Bloomingdale's in New York and La Rina Sante in Milan was no small achievement. Across the globe, from USA to Japan, Europe, Russia, the Middle East, Africa, Southeast Asia, Australia, and even in Iceland. Leading stores, salons, and counters display the Shahnaz Hussain range of products. 
a name that has become a hallmark in cosmetic care. So, for 25 years, she delved deep into the mysterious and fascinating kingdom of flowers. She studied the wisdom of the old Indian sages called rishis and of other great civilizations which have considered flowers as the magic power of healing for many ailments. Hence, after years of dedicated research into thousands of species of flowers from ordinary to exotic, Shanaz has now truly discovered the essence of their glory, which she is now set to share with the world. The undisputed queen of the world of beauty, Shanaz Hussein, now presents an exciting new level of botanical energy with her flower power collection. Shanaz rejected the synthetic artificiality that modern science confuses with beauty, preferring the unspoiled cosmic innocence of the original. A quarter of a century ago, she appeared in the universe of beautiful people with her herbal range of products. Since then, there has been no looking back. In an era of synthetic cosmetics, Shanaz started a herbal crusade single-handed, and the biggest compliment to the original were the dozens of copies that followed. Shanaz quickly became a legend in the world of beauty. Soon, Shanaz Herbal spread from America to Japan, across Europe and Asia. International trading stores proudly displaying the all-herbal and natural Shanaz range. Galerie Lafayette in Paris, Harrods and Selfridges in London, and the prestigious Cebu chain in Japan. Shanaz Hussein is a name to reckon with. To her, exclusively, goes the credit for bringing the therapeutic values of herbs out of the mist of antiquity and combining them with scientific research and practice. Shanaz Hussein has done so much for India's image in the West that she has earned the sobriquet of the country's beauty ambassador. Today, Shanaz Hussain's dream has come true. She has been honored by the prestigious U.S. magazine, Success, with its unprecedented World's Greatest Entrepreneur Award. She is the first woman to be selected for the award in the 105-year-old history of the magazine. After scarring the globe and considering hundreds of the world's leading entrepreneurs, Success magazine chose Shahnaz Hussain as the unanimous and unequivocal choice. In our special report on the world's greatest entrepreneurs, we called business leaders, journalists, entrepreneurial organizations, embassies, and trade offices. We looked at hundreds of candidates. We wanted entrepreneurs who both had strong businesses and who set an example by defying faith, taking the future into their own hands. In India, when we cited those criteria, we kept hearing one name over and over, Shanaz Hussain. She is indeed a remarkable, dynamic, brilliant individual. At success, we're experts in entrepreneurship. And I can tell you that Shanaz Hussain is a quintessential entrepreneur. I'm very proud she's the recipient 
of this first award we granted in our 105-year-old history to the greatest human contributor. for introducing me in all these wonderful words. I strongly believe that India must and will lead the entire world into the next century with the power of Ayurveda. The Western world has seen the side effects of chemicals. It's going back to nature, and when it goes back to nature, it has no alternative but to go back to India. India has been known for centuries by Ayurveda. When the world had no chemicals, India always had herbs. Chemicals came centuries later. The Time magazine had an article on the cover which said, thousands of people all over the world are dying of kidney failure in sleep and still using chemicals for beauty. And that is where the story of Shana started. I was studying in Rubenstein, and uh, every day one of the students would come and make a lady sit outside the door and hold her hand and then come inside and go back, hold her hand and take her home. So I said, uh, Madeline, why didn't you bring the lady inside? She said, that's my mother, she's gone blind. I said, why? She said, she was a very famous model, and she used very heavy eye makeup with a lot of chemicals, and something happened, and she's now blind. She was blind for life. That shocked me. Back to my senses, something's wrong in this entire business that's making somebody go blind. Then a baby died in South Hall, licking kajal. It was 28% lead. It was made in India. It was imported from some country. The fact remains the baby died. Then another of my clients had a serious kidney problem, and she actually died. The, the problem was chemicals in cosmetics. Uh, I thought when people are dying 
of the side effects of chemicals. Something must be wrong with this business. Let me try and look into this. So when I came back to India after studying eight years in London, Paris, Germany, Denmark, in London I was Rubenstein, and then L'Oreal in Paris, and Lachlan in Paris, Schwarzkopf in Germany, the lands of Copenhagen in Denmark. I did eight years of study in five countries, Christine Valme in New York, it was full of these fabulous uh, chemical formulas. And uh, India, when I came back, was into hair, but not into skin at all, not into skin care. And it was a, an emerging market where everything was just exploding, glamour-wise, work-wise, people were getting more affluent, lots of money to spend, but I don't think they were sure exactly where to spend it, apart from jewelry and fashion. And then I arrived on the scene with all my dreams and ideas of a beautiful tomorrow for India. But then the problem with India was that uh, the awareness was not there. And to start making people aware takes time. I remember I was looking after Mrs. Gandhi, and she said that you tell me all these nice things, why did you go and do some work? So, um, I was coming back to Paris to settle. I thought that you know India wasn't ready for me. And uh, Mrs. Gandhi said, why are you going back? As with Gandhi, nobody understands beauty here. The, the competition is so fierce. You know, We can't match their packaging. We can't match their knowledge for beauty. and understanding of beauty, and I don't think Indians are ready for me right now. She said, I don't agree with what you say. If you think that we're not ready, it's your fault. Go and educate them on India. That's your job, not to tell me what is wrong, but whatever is wrong, you start setting right. And that hit a note in my mind, because actually I was never in beauty for money. I was there because I believed in it. It was a passion. It was the sole purpose of my existence, plants. Because I'd seen so many dangerous side effects, chemicals, the best myself. And uh, I had started thinking that there's something wrong with the entire beauty system. India is emerging as a superpower worldwide. Brand India was big. And something could be done, A, to convert the whole system into natural, and B, then make it a selling point for India to rake in financial gain by that movement. And that is where the story of Shana started. I uh, went to India with all my chemical formulas. I sat down, employed Ayurveds and converted all those formulas into Ayurveda. And I found with great surprise that if I, I look, looked at a hair remover or a face discolorant or a, a problem for the hair, alopecia or in body care, skin care, dark circles, aging, wherever I looked towards uh, Ayurveda, for every problem, if we had one chemical, there were 20 answers. So then we went into R&D, make all 20 formulas out of all the 20 formulas, give it out to clinics and salons, and take the feedback. So in that way, over a period of about 10 years, we went on working nonstop. Even today, the platinum that I've launched, I wish we brought one. Has any platinum product something else? In the bags? No. I think you see it. All of you have it. Sorry. The platinum that I've launched is, I'm just coming back to today. Yes, thank you. The see bag, must be having a bag to this. No, the silver bag with the chain. No? Does somebody have it in their bag? Sorry. Anyway, I've made a very pretty bag with a silver chain, because uh -huh. then you have to face the Western world with very glamorous packaging, because they throw you out. <laughs> uh, uh, I combined plat this platinum license we got in 1995, and we launched in 2011. So you can imagine, hmm. it took 15 years. I'm never in a hurry. I know people, that, and I've seen it, I don't want to say too much, putting a little label around it with typed and then selling it and becoming a hot seller. But we have heavy R&D. Before we launch a product, we go to great concern and care and feedback. Luckily, we have about 800 shops. And then we send out free samples very freely. 
and all that you have to do if you get a free product, just fill in what you feel. And no lady really minds, you know, return for a product, let you know how good it is or how bad it is. If I launch a kajal or something new, I say, this is too oily, it's too dry, it itches, it hurts, it burns. We love, we love adverse comments and finally come back to the perfect. So we never really bomb anywhere because we've done so much research that is, there's no chance of us really having a problem with the product. Now this platinum, we started in 1995 when we just launched. And this is something which is very, very uh, fabulous. Uh, again, I say that it's one of our greatest uh, uh, money spinners worldwide as, word, as export is concerned because uh, the word platinum understood is spoken at a press conference in London and in New York. Americans and English people also don't understand what I'm talking about. Because somehow they um, um, think of the atom bomb and they think of platinum. And when you talk about platinum and beauty, they don't understand that. Platinum and Ayurveda, they don't understand. But this is the platinum, um, ultimate plant power made from plants. So we combine platinum as uh, basic ash and then along with it add plants. And the reason why I chose platinum is that uh, uh, whatever you use in the skin in any other method or form or medium is absorbed, whatever time required. But platinum in the book says that when you apply platinum in any form or combination of plant, uh, enters the skin at atomic precision and speed. That by the time, by the time you are uh, applying it, it has disappeared. It's part of your bloodstream. If in fact, I don't have the time here today, but if you, any one hand, if lady gives me, and the other hand, you can try and do it now, just immediately see the difference. It's instant. So, uh, can I try it on one of your hands? Kumar, sir. Kumar, lady can hand laga diye. Even you can try Do you have a volunteer? Yes, volunteer? It's so fabulous. You see, it's an in age of instant coffee, instant soup, and instant beauty. And if you don't give instant beauty, people don't believe. Luckily, I created a product that's instant. You know, while you, if the client comes to selfages and just applies to one hand, then by the time they're asking the product, the other hand looks different. I have girls saying, please apply the other hand, I can't go home. <laughs> I have one of the girls who's in charge of PR, Ritika. We did it one hand, went home. We didn't bother the other hand. She kept saying, my husband says, go back and have the other hand done. That's just so the difference, just one application. And she was just sitting in an R&D meeting, as I think I come, let me try my hand. And then she, was, she said, ma'am, please do the other hand, it looks silly. So to that extent is instant. So I think platinum, now we're going to platinum scrubs. Can you, We have a platinum scrub. Now, now the big pressure on the, Shkumar is the head of our factory vice president for pharmaceuticals. He's a master's in pharmacology. And of course, I'd like to travel with him because he's sitting and talking all the time. Even in Starbucks, in the coffee shop, or in the lift, I'm talking formulas. So it's comfortable to travel with a senior person. Come actually to uh, represent India in Dubai, and then I flew him here. And then asked him to stay on for your show today. Great. But if as I say that, why don't you try in one hand? Okay. So you know, you have you? a volunteer there. I'd be very happy to have Pratia. But you know, why? Because uh, you, you know, if you, I might be talking nonsense, you see the difference. So immediately believe. So uh, as I say, because it's an age of everything instant. You know, you can't if you tell somebody to effect. Bahut kam, bahut kam. Kumar sir, me didi, hami didi, me kuch lady ko laga. Nee, koi baat nahi. Nee, ek jana laga. You know, yes, no. Just feel the difference. Supply one hand. Really good. You see the difference. Don't don't do the other hand. So anyway, this is just one of the products that I'm talking about, but this you know, applies for anything else. Huh? 
You see, the, anybody walking past, say this is the hand that had the platinum. So now we are using platinum in the, and um, uh, serum for the hair, instant absorption. So, and platinum um, uh, skin, the only thing where we're not using platinum, I'm not doing it and I'm worried is the eyes. Mm. Not come out with anything platinum under the eyes, but I'm not very really sure that it may not be too good. But Mr. Kumar says combined platinum will not harm with plants, but I do not agree with him. And until I'm sure, I will not go ahead. But otherwise, whole we have platinum scrub, we have platinum mask, we have platinum cream, whatever. Everything that is um, in a form that can be readily instantly absorbed. I think a period of time, we'll be able to not, <laughs> there's no part to control the aging process, but you know, it's something like, take you a couple of years back. To that extent, I think that this work is very good. And, and as far as India is concerned, very big selling point for the West, that we have something in India that uh, we're not able to really explain to them that this is a market that is totally unexplored and can become a huge money spinner for India if platinum is produced in India. And imagine platinum plants, and even in America when I spoke to the press there and to cosmetic buyers, they cannot imagine platinum combined with Ayurveda. It's a very unusual combination. But that is a very huge selling point to the West. Uh, you know, the economic growth of brand India is the type of ideas we're able to give them. And I remember when I stood up and spoke on this press conference platform in New York, a press stood up and said that, uh, Madam, you were talking about uh, I said, I'm sure India must have been lead the entire world in the next century, that way. Then he said that, I don't understand. You say that you're the greatest. Yesterday, we didn't hear about you. Today, you're the greatest. And uh, we have plans, so do you. We have products, so do you. And uh, how are you the greatest? You know, we have also formulas. And we have plant formulas. I said, the problem is, your formula is two, three, four, five hundred years, then there was Christopher Columbus. We are 3,000 BC. So we uh, have lived through a centuries-old civilization of Ayurveda, where the world had no chemicals. India always had herbs. The our ancient Mughal queens used diamond dust for uh, highlights. They used the silk from running brooks for body care. They used amla for hair. They used shikakai for hair. There was a huge history of hair going into the Western world in a civilized and a financially organized form. So I think that if I would not like to waste too much of time, because I just told uh, that the, our lady host that uh, I don't think I have too much to say after that movie that you have shown, but I think that uh, if we enter the European and Western market the right way, we have no looking back. And I don't think the Western world really stands a chance if India really seriously comes to the market. The Western world can't stand a chance because what we have to offer, the Western world cannot, because we put in so many years of study, not me alone, but our chemists, our Ayurveda, and then we, when we go into formulas, we go 3000 BC. We take out all the formulations and then try and try and try and produce something that the Western world will accept with the history. You know, in the Western world, what's very, very important in, as in your college, you would know that is a story sells, history sells, knowledge sells, time sells. And all the money in the world cannot buy time. We've lived through Ayurveda. We've, the Western world has seen us centuries of civilization and beauty in a very, very plant and Ayurvedic form, and that the Western world cannot buy. They can spend billions of dollars on anything else. As I say, the, it's an industry that billions of dollars are poured into hysterically mad cosmetic industry, selling youth and dreams in bottle jars. What I have done is tried very hard, single-handed, I'm sure a lot of people take over now and follow me. I've tried to sell a civilization in jars single-handed, it's very hard. 
But uh, what happens is that one unusual method, which as I say that I will be speaking on again in MIT, and in Kellogg's, and of course in Harvard, I spoke uh, and Oxford University last week, was uh, how to create a brand without publicity. Mm. It's a very difficult situation because, you know, if you don't see an ad, you won't buy a product. You know, normally you see some, oh yes, I, I saw the ad on TV or paper, and then you buy it. Is that right? You won't just buy it for nothing. But uh, what I thought when I first started about 35 years ago, I was very uncomplicated. I was the daughter of a Chief Justice, and my mother came from a royal family in Hyderabad, so money was never the purpose. It was always a passion that what I'm doing is right, and I will at some stage take off. And then I had Mr. Gandhi launched me in London, which really helped me at Selfridges. And um, what I strongly believe is that if you have a product and it's strong and it's good, that publicity is not required. What am I doing? If you at a time you say that buy this product is very good, that means you are paying to say that is very good. Is that right? You say that buy this product is very good. Buy one page in the paper. Buy a quarter page. You call a press conference, say that this is an ad. You read it and try it. But what I am saying is that uh, I am not advertising. I am saying try it. Speak about it and let me know. So maybe an ad will be overnight, but you might disappear also overnight. But if it's just word of mouth, it lasts for centuries. So that is the course I took, it was very difficult. And as when the Howard professor asked me to come and speak, Professor Hayes, I said, why are you calling me? I'm uneducated, I'm not even a graduate today. I've just done school in beauty, eight years, and I do know business management. And he said that, Princess, you, uh, we teach in our business schools all over the world that you must advertise so much, keep that much money aside in the business schools for publicity to launch a product. Otherwise, it will not take off, it'll just die. But you violate every norm we teach, because whatever we teach, you are the opposite of that. So that's what I'm going to speak now in MIT and in Kellogg's on how to create a brand without publicity. I think what really matters is the quality and the excellence of the product and word of mouth. There's no point. Why should I say in a TV ad in a paper that I'm very good? Why? I'm paying to say this, that it may not be true. But suppose you try it. Like now I said, you try this. If anybody's tried this instantly, let's see a difference. So they, they are the best proof that it's right. That extent, I think, is important that the products speak for itself. Is there any other question you'd like to ask? We can I can tell you the very fast how I started, if you like. Yes, that's um, interesting. I do yes, want please do. Yes. Um, yes. Would you like to sit down? Or would you? Oh. Okay, I'll just. Uh, very short, straight to the point. Herbs has been around for years and years and years. In, 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 you know, before modern pharmaceutical products came around, a lot of people relied on herbs. So it has been, it's not new, it's not exactly new. Um, what's the difference between yours and Lavera, which has been independently tested, won a number of awards at international level, and Dr. Hauschka, it's very hard for me to tell you what is the difference between that and my product because I have not studied their products at all. I only know and I mastered my own products. They would know their own products best. We uh, launch a product within the company, not in the market. We go into R&D, we could give us samples in several kinds of stabilizers, several kinds of combinations. 
and then we get feedback in a proper, very organized form. And over five, eight, ten years, we launch the product. So that is the way we function. How they find out what is best. And of course, we, when I mean give out samples, it means we give it all over the world. We give it to London, we give it to New York, we give it in Paris and all our stores, Lafayette, wherever we go. And uh, we keep taking feedback, and then maybe very often, eight to ten years, we launch the entire product line. We're never in a hurry. So we keep getting back feedback very often. In the course of combination, we also change the formulation. So unless we finally launch, the actual product is not finalized. So I'm sure they must be having very highly skilled laboratories for testing. I don't know of that. I only know my own way of doing it, and it's very, very technically sound. To sell in markets like the US and UK is not easy. You're pitted even today, we're in Selfridges, and we're in fact the Lloyd's Pharmacy. It's a very, very fierce competition we face because we have with huge multi-billion dollar brands. And even today, if you go to Lloyd's Pharmacy, it's very interesting to note that Shanaz sales are the highest in cosmetics, with no publicity, no ads at all. Another very interesting topic is that we've been here since 1982, when Mr. Gandhi launched us in 84. And, uh, uh, we announced opening on 7th of August. On 6th, where the girl was arranging the products, we sold out. We had an uh, email from the cosmetic buyer, um, uh, Anne Hart, that please rush his supplies. We have sold out before the inauguration. It just shows that it's just the product must have worked for somebody that they came and picked it up before the opening. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any other questions? The gentleman over there. Okay. Thank you. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, Shanaz Hussain certainly an uh, entrepreneur extraordinary. But today's talk was about the herbal heritage. Yes. And uh, I heard very little of it. Um, you see, yes, we have we have very uh, treasured. I mean, we have a truly uh, veritable treasure trove of uh, herbal medicines in India. Um, and uh, and of course, there is some, some demand uh, in the outside world. But you say about chemicals and the uh, and what you call this herbal herbals are herbal medicines. They're not chemicals, are they not? I mean, they are organic chemicals, but they are also chemicals. So that, that's one thing. And uh, um, yes, and I'm glad that you see that our exports are rising uh, in herbal medicine. But they won't go very far on, unless we separate facts from fiction. We cannot increase it substantially, the export, on mumbo jumbo. We have got to show exactly what works, why it works, and so I would like to ask you, um, what kind of research is happening in India to uh, get to know the herbal medicine, herbal products better? Um, yeah, if you could kindly help me there. Because see, on the research will depend whether herbal uh, uh, products from India will be a great export or not. Thank you. No, we have uh, a head of uh, the research, luckily here today, Mr. Mm -hmm. Kumar, who's put in 25 years of R&D, uh, single-handed, and now with Shainaz, with us for 25 years, or otherwise 29. He heads R&D, and uh, whatever plants we have, constantly taking new plants and going to research, we test market it uh, in every product quality and strain, 
and go in the details of the history of the product. And actually, with the Ayurvedic books, we don't read. We have employ Ayurvedas who read the text, translate it into English, then find the equivalent of that herb which is available, and then we launch the product. These Ayurvedic texts are not in English. They're, they're in another language completely. And we have Ayurvedas who read that language and translate it into our text, and we then find the equivalent. And for a lot of Ayurvedic texts, there is no equivalent at all. So we just rule out those herbs, we cannot. And the other thing is when we launch any product, we're very careful that whatever we launch, it has to be available at a, in a limitless amount. There are a lot of herbs you can never introduce because they're controlled in their usage. We can, maybe Thriflas, Harbahira, Aula is combined to make a very powerful uh, combination for the eyes, for kajal or for eye drops. But we're very careful that certain other very effective products are there for the eyes. We sharpen the vision, but we don't include it because there's no limitless supply to that. Very careful that we can't launch and come out with a huge product and just say that it's not available now. So we're very careful in that. Otherwise, we've got a constant research. I had R&D, I had research, and I had innovation. And I normally travel, Mr. Kumar was even in the uh, plane or in the lift, we were talking or we were walking, and in the Oxford Street, we were always talking business and work. We're now going to platinum. So we're constantly creating, constantly innovating, and constantly going to R&D. We're very unsure until we're sure. We just go on into R&D. We don't stop. There's no limit to innovation. We just go on until we find, I mean, we're trying to find, like platinum I found. Now the entire company stuck on. We having, now I find that it's difficult to carry, so we're putting it into capsules, easy to carry for traveling. Now trying to put it into the aircraft. So we're always trying to innovate all the time. And you know, if you don't innovate, the company will disappear. So we are constantly into R&D. We are constantly into uh, trying to find what's best. We are also having chemicals in our, in our cosmetics, but they're inert. There's certain chemicals required by FDA to control the staying power of the herb is a herbal rot. So we have to have certain chemicals in it. But those are special chemicals we cleared by FDA to be required so that the herb does not get rotten. Otherwise, it will not last. The biggest problem with herbs whenever we launch a new product is that to control the staying power of that herb. So that is our biggest problem when we launch any product. Will it stay? Will it not rot? Will it, will it get fungus? Will it get spoiled? That's a tough product. Chemicals very easy. You can take. I know a Revlon cream I bought once in about five or eight years later I opened it and there was, it was flawless, there was no difference at all. If a herb would have dried up, it disappeared. Or parched. So that's the biggest problem with herbs is the steak part. Any other question? Yes. Hello, Shanaz. Thank you for your talk. Um, there seems to be a gap in um, natural makeup. Are there any plans for your company to pursue that avenue? And second question is, what type, what skin type is this cream for? Pardon? What skin type? Oily combination What skin type is it for? Can you please repeat it? What skin type is this platinum cream for? Oh, for all purpose. Okay. I don't think I really advise uh, platinum on raw acne or pimples, but anyone, even a baby can use it. It'll be in, it's gentle, it's like Baby Johnson. It's that gentle. As far as makeup is concerned, we tried and we did not succeed. I don't want to say more than that. Uh, I went into herbal makeup, but then I found that our dependence on color was more chemical than natural because the kind of uh, fabulous colors that you know you go and see now Mac, it's got an array over a thousand colors. We weren't able to create the colors. We have like we are able to get uh, like from corn flour, we got the marigold yellow. Then we were able to get that hibiscus, hibiscus pink. We're very controlled in our colors. I can't give you 100 shades in eye makeup. Maybe I can give you four or six or eight from natural plants. So that is uh, one area where we have not been able to do very well because of our uh, limit in getting those natural colors. 
Normally we use food colors or vegetable colors. But that too we have to see that is going into the eye. So I remember I made green and blue eye uh, kajal for Princess Diana and then of course she came to Harris to pick it up because she had blue eyes and black looked uh, bad and she got us worldwide publicity but we couldn't do more than that. Just blue and green, that also from vegetable colors. So when I say that it's not all that great to um, just go on innovating from nature because we have limitations. And then our biggest uh, concern remains stabilizers because herbs rot. Then we have to add chemicals to stabilize that, the rotting of that herb. Then we have to see that that chemical is not, uh, not uh, uh, dangerous. It is inert. Inert means that it will have control the staying power of the herb and not rot, and at the same time not harm the product. And harm the product means the person using it. So maybe I use a chemical to control the staying power of the herb, but that chemical might be good for the herb and control the staying power of the herb, but might harm the person using it. So we have to see the side effects of that. For that, we have to go to R&D. It's a complicated job, and we finally get through, but then with a huge amount, like 8, 10, 9, 20 hours of you know, R&D meetings. Can I just ask you, uh, continuing from that, um, other Ayurvedic products, especially with medicines, when entering the European market, and especially in the last three or four years, there's been such an issue over copyright and intellectual property. Have you, in marketing outside India, and particularly in Europe and, and North America, had to fight or had issues with copyright issues or intellectual property right issues? I don't think I've had any copyright issues majorly. Uh, we had a legal notice from Chanel, C-H-A-N-E-L, the company, because one of our products called Chanel. And that's not because I wanted to copy Chanel. Chanel is a perfume. Just informing you just because of the question. But because my name is Shehnaz Shah, my daughter is Nilufar, N-E-L. So I said, let's make a product, Chanel, half your name, half my name. So we filed a legal notice immediately. You know, when you're in professions, you never, never go to any litigation with any company ever. That's one of the rules that we play. Immediately we backed out, we draw the product, cancelled our licenses. We don't want it. We don't need to copy and disturb a multinational established. Although they were perfumed, this was a hair rinse. Because my daughter has very beautiful hair, and I said, it's good. And the good name. We thought we'd make a line Chanel. Half me, half her, but we just shared it because we don't go to that. My question was really about Ayurveda as a knowledge system and whether it is recognized. I mean, I'm I responding know, there, to this. A, there's a question, a very big question on that. There's a huge article in the American paper saying that there's a concern in America about Ayurveda. A lot has been said, a lot has been written, and a lot of them are not recognizing Ayurveda at all. That's right. That's and my question. I was concerned. Yeah. In fact, there was also some problem on the registration of Haldi turmeric. Mm -hmm. And that they said, they said that it's, um, and I went into a legal battle and finally I won a court letter saying that it's okay, but I was very concerned because two, three, three things I fought for and all three I won through the government of India. I fought for Neem, mm -hmm. I won it Neem. They said it's ours. I said it's not ours, too bad. You go, then we fought in American courts. We won. And uh, Haldi. What was the fight about over They Neem? said Neem is ours. It is a belief belonging to, uh, we made Neem famous, America. And uh, neem has been there for centuries, if you see, you know. Mm. And then haldi and sandalwood. Mm -hmm. They patented sandalwood. I said, how can you patent sandalwood? It's <laughs> <is> my <Mysore." laughs> so. But, but, but yeah, the best identified active ingredient. Oh, is it fine. We didn't. We didn't ever discuss that. They didn't say we identified. This is, is registered with us. It's a registered product of ours. So I, I said that, of course, what the West does for R&D for a certain product, we can never do, we can never afford to do. You know, what I normally do when thousands of and billions of dollars are spent 
in finding out what is good. I just incorporate it into my product. Mm. I don't claim anything more. Mm. I say that you spend one billion dollars to give the research. I say fine, we use your research knowledge and our 5,000 year old heritage combine that and we have a civilization in a jar. Your knowledge and our uh, history. We never claim that we did it. In, with the, they give you papers and papers on how um, yep. um, good it is proved, but they, they spend the billions to prove it. Well, the, uh, sorry, I think we, we should we take another question? We can probably come back to this. There, there are several people waiting. The gentleman over there. What influence does understanding about doshas and which ones did you have on the success of any of the products in which you're based on the approach? I studied doshas and chakras for my particular <coughs> salon movement, but in my particular business, I did not specialize no, in doshas. have a particular method in which we uh, make the skin understood the client, if you this type of skin you react in this way, this is what you do. This is the product, if it's, it's the reaction is uh, uh, any form of irritation, then you use cactus. If it's uh, any antiseptic, you use the turmeric. So we react according to the client demand and what we think that particular herb would help them. We don't involve ourselves at all in, in our entire age. that making the product, you know, Western world is still not aware of Ayurveda. I think 95% of them don't understand it, 5% do, or maybe 98%. I don't lie because I've been around 35 years doing the same thing. You know, it's a very big effort to make them understand, and I feel that with the Western market, the best would be as simple as possible, as less complicated as possible, and use terms that they've heard before and understood before, because they're so skeptical and so concerned and so aware. The moment they're not sure, they will leave it. So it's very... I think um, concerning that uh, what you should do really when you enter European America, especially America, that try and make it as simple as possible and try and make the word, like the word dosha. I, I think out of 100 clients, like 95 would not have heard of it, maybe five. Even the cosmetic yes, buyer and selfish does not understand the word dosha, so the point talking there, I just keep quiet, say, madam, this for this, is that, this is the type of skin, this is how you go, and that's it. Anything more than that, she'd rather not have there at all, she says, we don't want to sell it here. She, she said very, something very nice. She said we don't want to keep in our store what we can't explain. You, you go away, then we are, you're not there to explain. But what a good thing I'll tell you just before any other question is that, I, I, you know, we, I don't know whether you know this, but we're into treatments and cures. It's a very good line to take up. The cosmetics everybody goes into is very uh, common. Everybody going to color and cover, whatever, and glamour and cream, whatever, even for you. But nobody is going in, even now today, to uh, care and cure. Everybody is specializing in, even in all pharmaceutical colleges and cosmetics and beauty. Uh, but uh, Ayurveda with treatments and cures over the years, we're not in beauty at all, we're totally misunderstood. We're in falling hair, dandruff, acne, pigmentation, dark circles, smallpox scars, acne scars, aging, uh, hair loss, um, diffused alopecia, anything to do with um, body care, 
anything to do with uh, fitness and care and cure externally uh, with the body we specialize in. And what I keep saying that the internal body condition, the barometer of external body condition, it's not humanly possible to have a healthy body and unhealthy skin and vice versa. So I think that what really I, when I speak, I try and give pressure on the fact that your health relates to your beauty. You can't have beautiful skin if you're stressed and, you know, you can go to any amount of under eye cream, you don't sleep well, it's still no good. Hair loss, again, comes back with stress. So I think that a huge amount of beauty is fitness and health related. I don't think you can have a beautiful skin with a stressed body and vice versa. Can I just uh, pursue this question and, of the... And as I say, that even Selfridges, I'm there every day. And the fact that we sold out before the inauguration headlines in the Cosmopolitan means that the product has some uh, following of people who suddenly saw it and went hysterical and bought off the entire shop. So we had Mr. Kumar flew from India next day with a consignment, so the inauguration went on. But it didn't go on because he arrived at 4 o'clock. The opening was 2 o'clock. The fact remains that the people that know know it. The people that don't know it don't know it. And if without an ad, they don't understand. But over a period of time, if somebody's used it as help, they will understand, and they do. Can I just ask you a little bit about marketing in India? You know, whether, whether in fact your strategy when you're thinking about uh, Europe and North America is different than in India, where, of course, you will, out of 100 people, at least 50 might know about doshas, maybe of a certain generation, maybe not in, in the 20 to 30 generation now, but there, there is, so would you have a different strategy in India, number one? And number two, of course, in the last 10 years with the liberalized market, the, the products available in the Indian market has diversified so radically, suddenly, that any consumer is faced with this huge choice, and yet you've managed to keep your market share, right? And so what is, what is the thinking behind that? What's, what's driving that? I just asked the first question, the word doshas. Even today, I think 50% of Indians understand it. If I go and talk to any shop in Delhi or anywhere, those are, they will go over their head. So I don't think we're all that educated in the, actually at Veda, even in India. Mm -hmm. Because a huge amount of education which is not there, and I don't think the government is really concerned that they want to educate, number one. Number two, this, uh, what the cosmetic buyer told me, I was just telling you about the we into treatments and cures. Tell me any line, if your hair is falling, you have a bald patch, you won't go to Lancome or L'Oreal or Dior or Laude and say, I've got a bald patch, help me. They won't. You'll go to a doctor. Is that right? You go to Harley Street. We have a clinic in Harley Street, 61 Harley Street, that only does Shanaz. The British doctors sit and say, go back and use India, go back and use Shanaz, and the whole clinic is Ayurveda, 61 Harley Street. So imagine if a Harley Street doctor, British doctor, sitting and saying that India is the best, go back and use Ayurveda, that has some treatment thing. We have a special product called 61 Harley Street, black and white, to represent the product. Now, this particular thing that you said, the cosmetic buyer of Selfridges told me, he said, the problem, we have a very serious problem with Shanaz. He said, if somebody comes with Laudis, out of stock, they buy Dior, out of stock, they buy YSL. They don't go back. But they come back for Shanaz Chartoon, Shanaz Charlocks for the hair, or Shanaz Charlife. And it's out of stock, they go back and come back, there is no second. I don't think there can be a bit bigger USP mm. than that. She told me this two days ago. Mm. So your chateau is out of stock. It's very bad. If some person complained to the Selfridges buyer or whatever, chairman or whoever that this lady is always out of stock and the product's never there, it should not be there. It's a violation of some sort of law that you start a treatment and they have stopped because it's not there. I didn't know that we come under some sort of law where you can get a solicitor's letter because you're not supplying the product. You can't start and suddenly stop. And the lady is liable to sue you. So that type of law governs Shana's that and, uh, but you never sue them for the color of lipstick or, uh, or uh, night cream. 
So we're very, very specialized in our treatment. And the, the funny, unusual part is that nobody else is doing it. And as far as American or the other countries are concerned, madam, I've got one system. I have not studied marketing. I'm totally uneducated. I'm not even a graduate. I've done eight years in um, cosmetic chemistry. I am not concerned with America or Timbuktu or the desert or Sahara or Las Vegas or India. I have the same method of operation. I make no difference whether it's London or America. I put the product on the market, I explain. What I do is always have a press conference, whether it's Delhi or New York or London or Paris. I call a press, and the press are very, very good. They, you know, when they, and another thing which has been very lucky for me is I never call a press conference. Nobody will come. They won't bother. I write to the government straight, to the foreign minister, the external affairs minister. I'm going to London, inform your high commissioner, whoever it is. I'm coming, call a press conference. They call it the Indian high commissioner. I speak the way you are, the crowded audience, television media. Next morning, about 100 papers next month are full of Shahnaz. And if you give an ad, you write, use it, it's very good. Uh, they write stories on Shahnaz, which makes uh, three or four volumes of Presbyterian. So you read a story of the product, then you come back and buy it. There's history behind the product. We give the history that, it's very hard to say, but Barbara Cartland, it's in this book. <laughs> Barbara Cartland said that um, my brother's son, who is in the head of health regency in Delhi, his sister's son has become blind with degenerative disease at the age of 18. And can you help him? Even my mother became blind when my father died with shock. And I went deep into Ayurveda and I couldn't believe it that mummy has gone blind. And I made, I got Mr. Kumar and a whole lot of chemists together and I very hard to live with the fact that she was blind and she was very sad. And I came back from Dubai and I, and I made the created this product for her and I give her these eye drops every day. And you know that my mother passed away, she was reading uh, newspapers. And uh, she started using the drops and I was in Dubai and then her nurse rang up and said, I took your mother for a walk and she could see the color of the flowers. And I flew back and mommy gradually started seeing and then she started reading newspapers. She caught her eyes back. And this came in the papers heavily in London, wherever. And then Barbara Cartland rang up that my, um, Michael, my sister's son, who, she's a property developer in Surrey, has become blind. And can you help him? And so I said, I can't help him. I'll give him the same drop as mummy. His name was Michael. And Michael uses drops for uh, six or eight months. And now Michael is working in a computer company in Surrey. Hmm. I've never seen Michael, but he can see. Because um, Michael's wife wrote back that now we've had a baby and now he can see the baby from. That means Michael could see. That means that, that and it's nothing. It's nothing special at all. It's a herb called Harbahara Aula, and it's a and thrifla. It's a special. What the kajal I have in my bag. It's the same Michael, but converted into a very powerful tonic with some more herbs. And brought back sight. And if you read Ayurveda, it says this is the secret to eternal sight. Now, Ayurveda is a science of extremes. Eternal means very good for sight. Eternal beauty means very good for beauty. So with that formula, we brought back sight. But I'm very scared. I never say this at big conferences because then there'll be a huge backlash of doctors, you know, firing me for what I'm saying. And I'd rather just say this one-off case that, you know, my mother keeps saying that your product is no good. My prayers helped. I said, okay, baby, your prayers helped. <laughs> she always said that, you know, don't talk. She's talking nonsense, whatever. But uh, I know what happened. Of course, I do. I'm sure she prayed too, but that wasn't the only cause. But I just, we have the fabulous formulas. I'm sure if I start an uh, <laughs> eye tonic with these drops, I'm sure a thousand people of the world will, um, will get their eyesight back. But um, I'm not really sure that everybody use an eye drop from India because they'll be scared of hygiene or whatever. You know, the, the 
controls here are much better. Mm. So we now think of setting up a factory in the mm. UK. Mm. Forming a company here so that people mm. in dress made in UK. <laughs> I think made in India would be all that great. So is there any other question? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm Shrutika and I'm from India. It's an uh, honor to hear you today. Firstly, because uh, you're a woman entrepreneur. Secondly, because you're from India. And I really congratulate you on you. this uh, big uh, 40 million empire which you have you know, uh, built. Uh, although I, I really uh, like the originality in your ideas, uh, starting the herbal uh, organic products, uh, and also the marketing strategy which you use. I would have really loved to hear more about your journey as an entrepreneur and the challenges which you would have faced right from you know, uh, R&D or developing the products to, uh, op to operations, managing the operations of your company, to funding, uh, to marketing. So how was your journey? That's the first question. And the second question would be, can you tell us more about your team? about the leadership in your company and the way of execution, how do you work together? That would really be helpful. Thank you. You see this? <laughs> These <laughs> questions, questions you have to spend the night here. <laughs> but anyway, I'll try and make it as fast as I can. Uh, the team, we have a very lovely team. We have a, the nice thing about a company is that almost uh, 75 to 80% staff is more than 30 years in the company. So we, you know, anybody enters Chennai never, never goes. We look after them, you know, like a family. So that's one of our biggest strengths is that staff. So we, we're very particular that they be together and do the best for them. And as for the story is concerned, you know, it's tough to tell you because I think it'll take too much time. But I'll start with make it fast. You know, I was engaged at 14. At 16, I was married. At uh, 16, my daughter was also one year old. From 17 to 21, I studied in London, Paris, Germany, and Denmark. And I'll very fast tell you a small little incident that might help you since you're all students. Is that while I was in um, Tehran, I needed uh, money to pay for my education. Because the days when I came abroad, you know, government gave me $50 to go abroad, and $50 doesn't do much. So I went, uh, my husband's posted in Tehran, you know, as director of foreign trade in the Middle East, and uh, I, for five years. So I said, okay, I was 15 plus, and I said, I'll go. Uh, join some school and start learning uh, beauty. And I went across and they said that you uh, fill in this form. And I thought I'll earn, uh, earn money. They wanted somebody to teach English. So I said, I'll, I'll earn money teaching English and then pay for my fees. So I went and filled the form. And it was across the road. And uh, I went next day said, and I was supposed to teach ABC. So I said, I've got the job because I was way into Shakespeare and Keats. And they said, no. I said, why? I said, you're not a graduate. So nowhere in the whole of Tehran, I stuck there for five years, no graduation, and nobody would give me any job because I wasn't a graduate. So I cried and cried and cried my heart out, and I told my father, Daddy, you stuck me to a place where I can't earn, I have no money, I have no education, I have no background, nobody give me a job, I'm not a graduate. And I'm so good that, you know, I know English, but I can't teach ABC because I'm not qualified as a graduate. So he said, maybe I'm very far away, try, but I can't help you from India. You finish crying and start trying. So, <laughs> and he was Chief Justice there. So I was worried and depressed, and I said, what to do? I was at a party, and a lady was sitting, and she said that, uh, you speak English, she's a British lady, I said, yes. So she said, I'm um, married to the director of Iran Tribune, he's the owner, and uh, I'm very bored in Tehran, and I want to start an English language weekly, weekly, and you speak fluent English. 
So can you help me with my weekly? And at least she was sitting alone and nobody's talking to everybody's talking Iranian and she was sitting all alone. And nobody there knew English except me. So she thought it was very nice of her to come up and talk to me. So the next day she wrote a note saying that, can you start writing for my weekly? And then she said, what are you good? And I said, beauty. She said, send me articles. In short, I was running her magazine cover to cover in 20 names. I really needed the money very badly. 20 names. And the amount of money that I was raking in was so great that I got the money. I was, you know, like, buy a Shanaus and also I charged for it. I was billing the company and it was doing very, very well. And then uh, what I do is collect the money and then send it to Rubenstein. Collect the money, send it to Schwarzkopf. So I thought before going, if I pay the fees, then only my living charges would be there. Otherwise, to earn in a foreign country, the fees would be tough. And I was in the middle of my earning. I thought at these four schools, London, Paris, Germany, Denmark, I send the fees and then I'll go. The clever idea, I planned it then. That let me pay all the fees of all the countries and then I'll move on. And while I was um, collecting money for Rubenstein, my life's great love was Rubenstein. I was there when Mala Rubenstein was there, Helena's daughter, and I wanted to send money there. And uh, suddenly got a letter from the uh, editor of the paper, Dear Shana, saying your writing is so terrible, it's not legible, I either stop writing or start typing. So now I've lost my job. Very sad. So I said, what to do? So then I started typing one word, one one finger, and it gave 10,000 words a week. If you do 10,000 times, you hit your finger against a key, it's not that comfortable and it became raw and started bleeding. So every morning I'd take Band-Aid, clean it, and then put the flesh back and wrap it up again. It was so bad. So then it became worse and worse and went on typing. And I realized that it was, you know, say get in the morning, it should be full of blood and pus, whatever, but then I'd clean it and put it back and then be normal until I started hitting it. Then after a little while, it doesn't pain because it becomes numb. If you keep hitting something with pain against another object, it becomes numb, it doesn't hurt anymore, it becomes like dead. So uh, then I thought I better see a doctor, it's very, very bad. So I went to see a Russian doctor. So he opened it and he said that, I'm just telling you the, the type of determination I had that might help you. He said that, you know, what do you do for a living? I said, doctor, I type. He said, what? I said, I type. He said, why? He, I said, I need the money. He said, uh, he, but when you open the band-aid, little bits of flesh was just coming off. So he said, you know, and, stop typing. You can't type. I said, doctor, but I have to. I need the money. He said, you know, if you continue typing, you can do something else. If you continue typing, I'm going to cut off your finger, the part that is, you know, flesh hanging out. And I looked at it and, I, and I'll never, never forget that one sentence that maybe showed my character and then molded my future life. Because I looked at my finger and I said that, you know, I need the money. I can't stop. I'm right in the middle of my education. If I stop writing, I'll, ha you know, my, I'll never be able to go abroad. And I'll never be any good ever because I, I won't be able to follow my study. So I, I thought that in my mind at that time, I said, even if he cuts off the finger, there'll be so much more left because the part will be cut off, the rest will be still there. And then he said, what are you looking at? Why do you answer me? Will you stop typing tomorrow morning? Or then talk to your ambassador. I said, doctor, how much will you cut off? He said, I refuse to answer, you're mad. Kindly leave and never come back again. I left that place crying and pathetic and I broke down. And then I wrote to my father what he said. And he said, baby, I can't help you. I will come back to India, lead a normal life, or then go and have your hands cut off. <laughs> I can't really help you sitting here because you write these pathetic stories. And you know something very short, that I stayed there two and a half years. I never stopped typing. I went on earning. 
and I earned so much that I paid all my fees and all the schools required. And then I had so much money that I had to leave it back in Tehran, couldn't, couldn't bring it back to India because there's no way of bringing Tumans back to India. To that is the extent in which I worked in Tehran mm -hmm. to educate myself. And then I went to all these schools, to all the diplomas, and came back to India at the age of 21 and went to the Guinness Book of Records, the highest qualified cosmetician in the world at my age because nobody had done five years starting at the age of 15 in cosmetic chemistry. So I think that as a destiny's child, I was the right place, right time. Uh, when the world was looking for an alternative to chemicals and there was nobody and no movement, I was there and really established. I think that helped me at that particular point when I was um, taking off and there was no second and for years, you know, there was no second, just me in the European market and in India. The second thing that really helped me take off was Ms. Gandhi was launching uh, with the Prime Minister's help. And the third thing that really, really helped me, I think, was that uh, India had this great heritage of herbs which was not explored. And I was the first one that, you know what, uh, the, my, my style paid off. And I still, the style is the same, like I've come to speak to you. I, uh, from day one, I, I never advertised. I called a press conference through the government of India, through the foreign minister, through the foreign secretary, the external affairs, spoke to a packed audience. And for the next month after I was gone, uh, they were just covering. Like I'd go to Brunei in the morning, talk, speak, come back. The papers be full, then go to Malaysia, come back, go to, go to Dubai, come back, always one day. And then finally I did Dubai in the morning, Abu Dhabi in the afternoon, another country night, Bahrain. Uh, I started doing three countries per day and still came back at night. Or Delhi, I did uh, Bombay, uh, Bangalore, and Pune, and I come back. So I used to do, I did that for about 20 years, that worked. I don't think anybody would really do it as tough. Who, who in your family then, was it your father really who supported you? My father. No, he supported me in a very strange way. You see, he lost control of my life because he got me married. Mm -hmm. That was a mistake. He realized that, but too late. So then he said, okay, now you, uh, now you just get on with your life to stop crying and start doing something positive. And he was always there. He was always there. But mm -hmm. even if he was not there, I would not have stopped. I wouldn't. I listen to nobody except myself. If, you know, I, I feel, and all of you feel the same. If this is the way I felt, I said in the course of my f making my life, my career, I'm not hurting anybody, I'm not harming anybody, I'm, but I'm doing what is good for me without hurting anyone. That's fine. Why should I take anybody's permission? You're born alone, you live alone, you go back alone. Nah? <laughs> there's, there's no problem. And, if, and you know, I don't think anybody has a right to give you advice on what you think is good for yourself. Hmm. If you're sure, then why are you worried? Hmm. And w what what got Mrs. Gandhi's attention? How did that happen? No, I think you should actually, I'll go away, but if these people are here tomorrow, let me send you a movie called the, the Indira Gandhi, The World Will Never Know. You see that movie is so moving. I'll send it to you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That uh, it, this is an educational step to watch that movie because she was a woman of it. Hmm. Kind. Uh, what really she, like this huge, obsession I had for India, thought, um, she thought that it was very good for promoting India internationally. She said, as I told you, I said that, you know, nobody worry about me when I go abroad because the competition is very tough. She said, go and educate them on India. Mm. She thought it was, was very good. And this fairly became my life, educating people within India and abroad. And, I mm. and it was very life. much part of that moment in India's development as well, wasn't there? With uh, the festivals of India being held in London, Pupil Jacker and, and, and the handicrafts and, and just exploring the potential of India's heritage in a modern contemporary context. It was very sad that people in India uh, come here and say that 
or in India they want something made in London or made in US. But I have people coming to my counter in self-raise saying, give me guarantees Indian. If it's not Indian, we will not buy it. We don't want local Ayurvedic or plant. If it's Ayurvedic, give me guarantees Indian. So I said, the people in your country are saying we want a guarantee. It's for my country. They do not want to buy it. That means the UK is not selling, US is not selling, brand India is selling. And please understand today, I don't know all of you understand or not, but brand India is so strong, so strong, whether it's in business or in commerce or in anything in the world, you see the word India, the word stands up. It's not that I'm, because I'm Indian, I'm saying that, but it's very hard for you to imagine the respect and regard that word India has. Imagine Obama comes to India and from America, he sends word, tell Shanao, said that the World Summit, let her represent India. And um, Washington, for me to stand up and speak after Obama was such an honor and such a pleasure and a challenge. But then the fact that I was selected by America and he had done his homework to invite me from India to speak at the World Summit on Entrepreneurs. Again, the big subject there was, and why I was called was because my specialized in Ayurveda. You see the letter that Obama gave. He said, you're specialized in pioneering field of Ayurveda worldwide for promoting the cause of plant power. Mm. But, but that moment in the early 80s was not the India of today. Today, this sort of shining India, the emerging India, the brick is, I mean, India in the 1980s was, did not have that cachet. And in a sense, what I was trying to push you to say was, in, in the early 80s with the festivals of India, with your work getting known here, uh, that in fact set the ball rolling for what we are witnessing today. It didn't happen overnight, did it? It took decades, but it did happen. Mm. And I think, don't think India is shining all that much, really. No, I don't either. I think it needs to shine uh, yeah. more. The papers say more than it is yes. shining. And people yes. in India know the truth very well. But I think that we need much more work done yeah. and more selfless people working for India and less for themselves. Yes. Like, you know, believe it not, for years, people will send me a company say, that, what's wrong with you? I'm mad. My daughter will say, Mommy, what are you doing? You go, give a press conference, fly back. You spend for your ticket, pick everybody along, five, six people. He says, my mummy moves, the colony moves. Eight, nine people go. And I come back, and it was always for my pocket. Nobody paid me for it. Mm. But then I just spoke in India. And believe it not, when I went off the, the rostrum in, in any country in the world, where the government lodged me, the ambassador would speak, and I would speak. They never knew I had a line. I never mentioned an Azubar, just Ayurveda but they would finally find out with whatever literature they got. So that is a completely different program. Either you're obsessed with promoting India or yourself. You see, if you go on hitting on one point, the, the, it will finally come in. Hmm. It's hard to imagine that it will not sink in. Money is, uh, that should never be the uh, purpose of starting a career. It should always be uh, um, your great passion in life. Like I was telling somebody at coffee just now before I came that that uh, I love what I do, and if I'm paid the bargain, that's a bonus. So if you love something, you do it, then, then it has become a passion. I don't think if it's not a passion, you can't work because of working. You work because you love it. Hmm. Are there any other questions here? <coughs> Just one sec, we'll get you the microphone. Yes, I don't think people at the back will hear you. Uh, thank you very much for coming here. It's a great, great honor for us to listen to you. Um, uh, Anita Rodrik of Body Shop is often referred to as Shana Joshan Hussein of Great Britain. And uh, your organization and the Body Shop is almost a similar sort of philosophy both of you share. But uh, in terms of business and organizational structure, these two enterprises are entirely different. So my question is, uh, what is your future plan? What is after you? I'll ask the first and the second. 
and then I think that we should finish then. Uh, uh, Anita Rodig was just telling you when I was with her that she, I was a great admirer and a great friend of hers. I loved her, and when she was in Madras for the first time, I flew to Madras for two hours to meet her and say hello and came back. And uh, my daughter said, Mommy, you're crazy, you're flying all the way. What, 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 what good will you meet you? Will you gain? I said, What do you mean good? I just want to see her. She's just a fabulous person. She's done so much. Look, look at where she is from where to where. I'm a great fan of Anita Rodriguez. I just admired her like an icon. And I went there, I told her that she took me to a corner. And I went to Madras to see what I want to tell you. And I bought, she opened a little bag, a little string bag like a batwa. And she showed me a kajal. She said, See, I have my own kajal, but I use your eye cool. And uh, she said that when I travel all over the world, especially in the Middle East, I see these articles on you, and where people look on you with a certain amount of reverence. She's a great uh, person for uh, acknowledging whatever she did. And I said that I love your body shop. I did, and I flew to, uh, first to Madras to meet her, and then I went here to Northampton to see her set up. And she's very open, she showed everything, what she does, and very, very fabulous. And as a person, I think she's fantastic. And uh, she brought a culture in this world that I think what Anita Roddick did, nobody ever will do, ever, ever, ever. She made beauty within the reach of the uh, person on the road, really, on the road. There's nobody even today that can walk into a body shop and come out without a product. They're so well-priced. I think that um, I don't think I'll ever be able to copy her because she is like one of her kind. Because A, B, and, and I explained to her when I spoke to her, that we and Ayurveda, so products can never be that uh, financially that um, limited in spending. She used uh, uh, chemically, she also used chemically created uh, herbs. And she examined. I told her, I said, I said Mon, um, you write the word body shop, it says a very small print, chemically created. She said, well, then for uh, 30p, you can't get uh, a pure product. But then the, you see, the public accepted it because it was strawberry, smelled beautiful, smelled fabulous. It looked good, packaging extra, very trendy and within uh, financial reach. So the, the girl on the road who could not have road means at the bus stop, you know, who wasn't into big money but wanted beauty at a price, she got it. And she made beauty available to the masses and she was responsible for the worldwide movement of beauty to the masses uh, via the body shop. And even today, I think there would be no second to body shop. I think what she really made a mistake was selling and all these things out. And that was a mistake, she never showed it. And the end was very sad because I think that when she sat in meetings where, I, whatever knowledge I've read in the papers, when she sat in meetings, you know, like I'm the chairman of a company, I'm not used to taking orders. I'm also not used to being my law or my concerns violated. And she had certain cut sense for the company that wasn't followed in. I think that it hurt her terribly because sometimes, you know, this, even today, believe it or not, when I come, the amount of multinationals, Americans especially, writing to me, we want to invest in our, we can see you as a shining product, as an entrepreneur, we want to invest in your company. If they invest in my company, they'll swallow me up, I will not exist, finally. When a foreign multinational enters, of course, your company, really, finally, the dream is to buy you out. So people sitting with books saying, Madam, you fill in the figures. So for me, it's a passion, it's a, it's a child, it's like selling your own baby. What price is there to your child? You can't sell your child. So in my lifetime, I don't think I'll ever sell it. In my life, uh, so that's out. But to combine the multinational, I'm sure I'll become worldwide bigger than maybe, or as big as L'Oreal, Lancome, because somebody will throw it to the market in the air. Ayurveda will become big business in India. And then I remember I asked one multinational recently, I said, what is the problem? You want to spend 500 million in Shainas? There's something wrong somewhere. I'm concerned. I had to take him out to dinner. I said, Monsieur, can you tell me why you're spending 500 million in Shainas? But, uh, but you... Uh, uh, you will not create a line of your own. I said, that much money, half the amount, you can make your own line. That's a very good question. 
As you explain to me, I will talk to you. Don't explain, I will not talk to you. But I, I said, I'm very suspicious. So you have to tell me the truth. He said, Princess, there's no uh, hiding. What we are buying in 500 million is almost 40 years of time. He said, all the money in the world cannot buy the 35 to 40 years of brand building that you've done. In Japan, Shina is known. In the United States, is known. In any part of the world, Brunei, in a little village in Brunei, there was a lady using Shenaz. So, you know, that only happens in time, and time you can't buy. That is the, the, the unique selling point of Shenaz, the USP is time. It's for London, which company is there that says, we've done 40 years of Ayurveda, you tell me. Any multinational can buy any amount of um, uh, money and launch it. It's a hysteric market, but they can't buy time. Can you buy time? By 40 years in 2000, um, it is 2011, 2040, you start talking about your shenanigans today. In 2040, if somebody's launches, will be where I am today. That is the USP of Shainaz. So my question was, where you will be in 2040? You know, it's a very hard question because uh, I'm afraid of being anywhere except where I am because I think that when, if I, uh, be where I want to be and where I should be, and where I actually should be, I will lose control. Hmm. It's very nice to tell the truth because then you feel happy that you spoke from your heart. I'm sure I'll get 500 billion, not million, maybe 1 billion, 2 billion put on the table, but then you need not to use better shut up. You know, Adita Roddick had to leave a meeting because she was not able to um, uh, understand that the fact that she was not being able to be appreciated and she had a gut sense of company which worked all her life. She left the meeting but she wasn't allowed to give a suggestion. That's not right. So I'm sure that uh, I would be the same way and I, I don't want to. You know, I'm very tough in my company and uh, my company knows it that I'm very good at heart, I'm very sincere, very concerned, but I think there's something good for the company. No matter uh, anybody, even my finance uh, director says it's, it's wrong, it's commercial suicide, I still go ahead as in my risk, my gain. And luckily, because I've never lost them, maybe that's the reason why I'm so confident. If I think something's good for the company, I do it without advice. I never take advice. In any case, if I take it, I still won't follow it. So is there something called, you know, if you create a company like your own baby, you know. So because I take no advice, I don't think it's good for anybody except myself. I don't think in my lifetime this company will ever grow. <laughs> because there are too many strings attached to money. If anybody puts in money, they see it grow. I was just consulting my husband just now, talking to him, right? And he said the same thing. He said that when anybody puts in money, they'll expect something in return. He said, I'm sure they'll make me into a billion dollar company. But then I'll disappear, isn't it? So the money will be there, but I would not be there. Emotionally, it would be there. I'll have to sell my soul. That's hard. So let it be the way I am. Suppose it gives me pleasure, I'm happy. It's the, it's the price of my joy. Is that right? It's like if you have a baby, then there's a very priceless baby if someone wants to buy it. Will you sell your baby? Will you sell your child? It's tough. It's for me, it's my baby. And the way I feel for Shana is don't think anybody ever will. I have my daughter, I have my grandson, they're all involved in it. But my kind of passion is different. I feel what nobody will feel. It's a lovely note to end the evening on. Thank you very much, Shana's